Hey guys, what's up? It's Zemet here with yet another Cartel Aristocats podcast. Unfortunately, Doug is no longer with us. He couldn't afford to podcast for the entire afternoon on a Monday, but we do have a full-time replacement coming most likely next week. Our guest this week is Jeff from Wizards Tower. You can find him at pretty much every GP they vend. Wizards Tower is a Canadian vendor, and they generally are known for their electronic buy prices. If you want to learn more about Jeff, we had him on last week for our After Hours with three other vendors for people that grind the GP. I'm also joined by my co-host Jim Casali, who writes for Modern Nexus, and Travis Allen, who writes for MTG Price, and also has a really cool website called Scry.Land, where you can find local tournaments in your area, which I've used actually to plan the tournaments that I run at my local LGS. Now, this week, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get right into it. Uh, Ether Revolt came out, and we had a lot of questions from people saying, you know, what should I buy? What should I wait for? So one of the biggest questions is uh, this demon that has improvised, which means you can cheat it out for cheaper than you normally can, just like Metalwork Colossus. It suddenly spiked in price, and we had a lot of viewers asking us why. So does anyone want to sort of talk about why you think this card might be good, or do you think that, do you think that it's worth picking up a set, or do you want to wait on this card? Because we had a lot of people ask us questions about this. Jeff. So more or less, um, like it's becoming a more and more bigger trend where pro players are typically defining prices. And I know like SG, for instance, had that card forever at like seven ninety nine last week. Um, and no one typically bought them out. And then Saito tweeted out um, his thoughts on the card, and I believe there's like a, a deck involved. And the next thing you know, like the whole fire occurred. But I think, like going forward, um, obviously Pro Tours are quite quiet in terms of tech. But Saito and other pro players can typically define um, speculation pretty aggressively just on social media. And I think this is only the beginning. As you can see, Harold is $14.99 on SCG and sold out. And I think it'll only get worse going forward. So if something pops up previous to a Pro Tour, people will speculate on it hard, buy it out. And I think it'll be more and more common as we go further. Yeah, I definitely think that there's there's that that aspect, but also just like there's some regional aspects of of pre-order prices that sometimes come into effect. Um, I remember the last like the last thing that sticks out in my mind was uh, Tassiger, which was super not popular in North America and Europe, but caught on really quickly in Asia, and then we saw it in action. We're like, man, one mana four five is pretty good. So I mean. It's definitely an, an, uh, a regional thing, too. Like, people just play different decks when they're from a different area and just have a different metagame and whatever, and that, that could be part of the, the, the thing, but I think that we're just getting to a much more globalized... I don't want to say economy, but, like, it's much more easy for people to purchase cards not from the continent that they're on. Um, even, like, Jeremy talks about all the time, buying casual, um, like, EDH staples from... Japan because it's just cheaper than buying them here. I missed it. Why did he? Um, <clears throat> what was he talking about that that got this going? Because normally I catch that, but I did not see it this time. It was a Metalwork Colossus deck that also played Herald. And another thing to point out is Haru was paying seven dollars on Narset Transcendent at GP Louisville, and everyone was like, "Why the hell are you buying it for this much?" And then Saito came out with a bunch of articles, and all of a sudden the card's fifteen bucks. So. You know, 
it's just something to keep an eye on. You got to like, especially the saffron olive effect, it's starting to be pushed out to other people. So you just need to keep an eye out. But Travis, what are your thoughts on this demon? Do you like it at all at this price point? Or you, you just sort of want to wait to see what happens? Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, there's no way you can buy in now. He's in that weird space that you see on some of these occasionally. <clears throat> these mythics that look really powerful, but are also, I'm going to say, sort of conditional. Um, and you're like, well, there are metagames where this could be really good. Metagames where this is unplayable. And a card like Dusquatch Seer, I think is a good example of that, was a card that looked really strong on paper that did absolutely nothing all said and done. So uh, I, I wouldn't, that's not the card I'd be looking at in this case. And I personally agree with Travis here. Um, now, if you pre-ordered this card, like you're gonna do great because you can probably flip them to locals on Facebook for like ten dollars each. And like, yeah, you're not getting the full thing, but that means that you don't have to worry about um, essentially trying to move them and trying to undercut everybody on TCG Player on Friday, which is something that's going to happen. We've had a lot of people. Um, talk about how undervalued this set is and that like the expeditions are already dropping like crazy that there's not that many high-end mythics the planeswalkers are both under ten dollars i believe based off of pre-order prices so like the question is does this become another born of the gods journey in the next set or like we can see how much wizards push this i've seen foil fatal pushes selling for 35 dollars already on facebook which is insane like this is almost mental messed up territory and um Basically, like, is this Dragons of Tarkir or is this just a garbage set? And a lot of people are saying this is Dragons of Tarkir because the power level is there, but people haven't found the right homes for those cards yet. So I want to think about just like, I know Jim's the best player and Jeff actually went to two Pro Tours as well. Do you guys think that the set's really pushed and that people just don't know where to put these cards with the new standard bands in yet? Or do you think that this set's a bust? Yeah, again, like I'm not overly fond of the Herald specifically. And I typically like um, speaking on behalf of me. I usually look at like the mythics, and I'm I'm quite fond. Again, like the proto is going to dictate everything going forward. If something big other than like the herald goes off, then of course it's going to spike like three or four times, and you see buyouts galore. But I'm like I'm pretty fond of like say the Gaunties, Aetherheart, anything like time lock um, could occur at the proto. Like I'm sure somebody's testing that. As the same with the Exquisite Archangel. Like those two seem pretty low in terms of possibilities of having a breakout at the Pro Tour or like in a different format with regards to like Archangel, maybe like Goya's Vengeance or Modern or whatever it may be. But I'm usually looking at mythics and low priced rares that are unique and have like different abilities that can be broken. Yeah, I agree. Like, nothing really stands out as a thing that's going to very easily go into an existing deck and, like, revolutionize it. Like, the last time that I was, like, really hard on a card, like, really, like, deep on a card before it came out or just even, like, close to release was Worldbreaker because I knew the deck that it was going to go in and I knew where it would fit in, and that's just, like, the perfect card for that deck. It's harder to do this kind of speculation on decks that don't exist yet unless you're just actively testing them. So, like, you'd have to find a card that would, like, just make Aetherworks Marvel uh, a better deck because they just banned a bunch of cards, so we don't really know what's going to happen with the upcoming format. Like, it's just, I think there's just too much churn right now to, like, really figure out what people are going to end up playing because, I mean, the Pro Tour is still a long way away. We have the first Star City Open this weekend, and maybe we'll get a glimpse of what people are playing, but 
honestly, it's I don't I don't know what to say. Like I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I've been playing some standard online and playing a bunch of bad decks, and I think that like it's possible we'll see a lot of Sahili Rye decks, and none of these cards are very good in that deck. So I don't really know what to say. Like I'm not I'm not super excited about most of the things that are going up in price. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know, and I think that people are really impatient. I think that's another part of the problem. Is like Fatal Pushes are five dollars. When was the last time there was a five dollar uncommon that stayed five dollars in standard? That's never going to happen. Like people that are paying thirty five dollars for foil Fatal Pushes on Facebook are just insane like i don't i don't understand why people can't just wait like even if you just wait a month you wait till after the pro tour they'll still be like two or three dollars but they'll save yourself like ten dollars on a play set that's just insane to me uh almost lost track of the question by now <laughs> uh uh this set looks pretty pretty powerful to me i thought the same thing of aetherable both of these look like they're they're pretty high in power level especially when you compare them to uh to battle for Zendikar, specifically that set. Um, Aether Revolt in general seems to have a lot going on in it. <clears throat> it enables a lot more energy cards because it brings that mechanic back to some other stuff. So I'm suspecting this is more along the lines of drag dragons than dra dragons of Tarkir than dragons maze. This feels like there should be a more clever way to say that of Tarkir than maze. In any case, I think I like the set overall, um, but it's hard to know exactly which ones to be interested in at this point because the metagame determines the value of all of these cards. If they're not good, they can be awesome in universe A, but if we live in universe B, then it doesn't matter. There's no need to keep dragging along those set comparisons, Travis. Um, personally, I really like this set, and the reason why people are paying an obscene amount right now is uh, they want to have the cards for the SCG tournament. I have a lot of locals that are like, hey, sell me the cards right now so I can fly out on Thursday night and go and play in the tournament and like be there Friday. And I'm like, I can't. Like, I signed something. But for those who are single sellers and don't have a contract with Wizards that say you can't illegally sell singles before the release date, go ahead and dump as much stuff as you want that's overhyped, especially Fatal Pushes. Because the lowest I've seen right now is four dollars it's like 16 for a set of fatal pushes online like if you know you're buying a case just be like hey i've got two sets of fatal pushes for sale because from what we've seen like there's two fatal pushes per box because they changed the uncommon distribution and that's just like a free 32 bucks right there so like why worry about that like and that's if you do the whole pre-order a case make like 50 dollars per case and that's it after shipping if you're trying to undercut um but yeah, it's definitely interesting to see where the meta is going to go. I know Baral, the blue tiny leader guy, and I'm just saying tiny leaders because I know the names, but I keep forgetting what like exactly what they do. But it's the Baral Chief of Compliance. Is yeah, it's the one when you cast, you like draw, or is it you draw? Is it the looting one or the draw one? That guy says whenever you counter a spell, you draw a card and discard a card. Okay, so I've been seeing people test that in Miracles. I've been seeing people test that, like, everywhere. And, like, it's, like, $5 right now, and I've seen promo selling for $20 online. Like, someone pre-ordered a set of them for 80 at our shop, and that was, like, the easiest money I've ever made. So if you have all these promos from pre-release, excuse me, then just, like, dump that stuff. But if you have these Mythics, and you don't necessarily know if they're going to, like, go up or down you can hold those 
Um, the Paradox engine, the Biostone, that's $4 right now. That's what we were paying this weekend. And I believe it's mid is 10. That's something that I think we can all agree will go down. I don't think it's going to come out of nowhere at Star City. And if I'm wrong, well, we're live on the cast and people are going to feel free to let me know that I'm wrong as usual. But that's something I would look at dumping. Whereas like these other mythics, like a Johnny, for example, hasn't found a home. I know Tezzeret, a lot of people are interested at him because everyone's going to be undercutting the first week and he might go as low as five. So you just don't know what's going to happen, but uh, definitely sell the stuff that's overhyped and just anything else like Doug's basic strategy. If it gets super cheap and you can't lose money buying it, why not? So I would sell all your fatal pushes. I would sell all your pre-release promos and I would sell the mythics that everyone wants right now. Um, I know expeditions have already dropped like 25% in the last three days and it's only Monday. So I'm really interested to see how bad these get dinged because I thought Chalice was going to be way higher than it's already dropped to. They're not expeditions Chal anymore. They're masterpieces. I say expeditions. It's it makes more sense to me. They're just foil premium things that Wizards uses to sell packs because the game that they know is changing. And speaking of the game changing, Mark Rosewater announced that uh, on his Drive to Work podcast that there will be a master set for 2018. Now, whether that's Modern Masters 4 or Eternal Masters 2 or a new master set, these are definitely a cash cow for, for Watsi. And this is awesome for all of us because we get these super cheap cards that will make us all money. Like, I know Jeff probably felt great buying Eldrazi Temples at a quarter two years ago, and then they went up to $10. And I know Travis probably did pretty well on something else. And I know Jim probably enjoyed paying less on certain things. I mean, before Noble Hierarch went back up to an obscene amount of money. But, oh, um, sure yeah. what? Uh, I'm sure Travis did something. I, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> probably something. I, I forgot what card you were, you went with for my. Modern Masters 2, to be honest. Uh, for Modern Masters 2 specifically, I don't remember if I bought anything from that set, actually. Might have been nothing. Huh. Well, anyway, there's going to be another Masters set this year, and it's going to make all of us money, even with reprints. So the question is, what do you guys think it's going to be? Do you think we're going to get another Eternal Masters set? Do you think we're going to get a Modern Masters set? Or will they do something new to stop how high Commander prices are? you think we'll get like a conspiracy three basically or where they're like here's fluster storm here's rashad import this will sell packs boom everyone's happy so i'm just sort of curious to see what you guys think we'll see next year and no information has been released besides on his drive to work podcast he said there will be a master set for 2018 well like modern masters 2017 is releasing march 17th right so it seems like they're pretty firm on the whole modern masters aspect so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly surprised if it's like another Modern Masters, if they just do that on a yearly basis. Um, but like, as you mentioned, like it's just pretty much for those who speculate and those like small time dealers and floor traders, it's just money all around. It has no relevance. Like you can speculate pre-Modern Masters release, but it's quite hard to now unless they actually preview and drop bombs. But otherwise it's still money. And like you said, in terms of like the Jazzy templates and whatnot, it happens and people go on, but I don't think they, like a ton of masters, um, like having two on a yearly basis seems aggressive. Having one and then all these like anthology sets seems more lenient, but. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold, but it's gonna be another modern master set. I think that modern masters every other year is just the right amount of saturation where they won't have to print the same cards over and over but people will still be excited for it. 
Like, I think a modern master set every year is going to be very bad very quickly. People just won't care after a while. So I think that they'll either do, like, Eternal Masters again, but, like, really, there's not a whole lot in the reserve, or on the reserve list that, like, are terribly interested, they should be terribly interested in reprinting. So Jim, your audio is gone. I'll, uh, I'll jump in while we wait for Jim's internet to fix itself. Uh, I would not expect it to be Modern Masters. Um, they've shown that they're not really in a rush to, to redo these things because they end up killing their own market. So they need to slow it down just a little bit so that the suckers line their wallets again before they buy all that stuff again. So I, I don't know if it would be Eternal Masters, though. I mean, it could be in a second. Eternal Masters is a lot, a lot left, I think in that market, but they could come up with something different. I don't know what it would be, but I'm not, I don't think it's modern masters, but I am not married to eternal masters either. It could come, they could surprise us. It's uh, it's going to be vintage masters. They're going to repeal the reserve list and everyone will be happy. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's definitely it. No question. I, I think it'd be something more like commander's arsenal kind of thing where like, it's just a bunch of EDH cards in a sweet, like cube like draft format. Yeah, and speaking of modern, if you follow this podcast for the last year, I've been the one preaching doom and gloom when it came to prices in a free fall. And for some reason, modern prices have gone up about 10% on average if you look at the price index of the top 100 played cards in standard over the last five years now. So we're starting to see a little bit of recovery. Um, do you guys think that there's any room for a profit this year? Or do you think that pretty much everyone already knows what they're having? Because, I mean, Thoughtseize has not stopped going down at all. Shocks are finally trending up somewhat. But are there any opportunities for this upcoming modern year? Or do you just think that there's not that much right now? I can't say much again. Like guys mentioned, I'm pretty much very specific on standard. Shall I leave it to Jim or Travis? Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. <laughs> okay, that was insightful. <laughs> I mean, um, I I just I don't know what to say. It's just it's hard. <laughs> I'm so I'm not surprised to hear that we've seen a ten percent increase in the last what several weeks to a month. Um, generally, shortly after the first of the year is where you start to see uh, magic prices sort of rise. There's there's two points in the year where magic indexes on the whole rise in price. It's right around October, leading to about a week after the fall set release. Um, is when standard prices go nuts. And then uh, early winter, like late in mid-January into late February is where you see sort of like magic as a whole sort of tends to rise. Um, in the past, that's probably been buoyed by the modern Pro Tour that's this time of year. But it's not modern this year, uh, but it still seems to be that players are kind of maybe coming back to the game after after the holiday seasons where um, they take breaks for whatever, for you know all the, all the other events and what have you, and they have some money back. Um, so I'm not too surprised to see the price rising. I do think there's opportunity to be made this year in modern, uh, specifically in uh, in what gets missed. So if um, you know whatever doesn't show up in modern masters three, uh, yeah, three is where the money's going to be, 
right? Like that, those are those are the cards that are going to react. I especially would look towards Modern Masters one cards that haven't been reprinted since then that dodge Modern Masters three. I think those will move, and even some of the Modern Masters two stuff could still budge. Like I think Cryptic Command could move, um, depending on how the format shakes out. Now that they got rid of Gitaxian Probe, I'd have to go back through Modern Masters one because I don't remember everything that's still in there. Uh, but definitely some of that stuff, and even Modern, I guess more so Modern Masters two probably because I think it was around Modern Masters two that the MM stuff that wasn't reprinted really started to move. So uh, I, I do think there's room for profit here. You just have to be uh, a surgical in deciding what to pick up and what not to, as opposed to EDH, where you can just throw a dart at a wall and you're probably going to get rich. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I, you know what? I, I definitely agree with you. I think that it's going to be important to pay attention to like those really obscure sideboard cards especially or like even main deck cards like weird hate cards that are just not easy to put into other sets or put into like chalice of the void is not going to be a random supplementary product they're not going to put it in a dual deck they're not going to put it in a commander deck it's just not a fun card to play with if that's not in modern masters 3 it's going to be expensive or continue to be expensive um blood moon's kind of the same way ether vial could be a card that they just choose not to include I really think we have to see more or at least see some of the spoilers for Modern Masters 3 before we can figure out what kind of set it's going to look like because Modern Masters 1 was like pretty juiced. Like al almost all of the cards in the set I feel like were just good all around. Like you could just make your money back on a pack of Modern Masters strictly on the uncommons, which was insane for a $7 to $10 pack. Modern Masters 2 was not like that. The only really expensive uncommon was Remand, and it's not really even that expensive anymore. So I really think it depends on what they do with the rares, if they just go for more reprint stuff and like reprint some casual cards, or if they dial back the Mythics a little bit and put more money in the rares. Like It, it really... We have to see what kind of set they decide they want to make. Um, it's It's too early to tell, I think. It's too early to think about that. Yeah, just I agree with Jim and I agree with Travis a lot. Um, but it's interesting in the sense that March seventeenth will drop Modern Masters twenty seventeen, which will allow Wizards to have a strong first quarter. And I feel like Modern Masters twenty seventeen will probably have significant amount of like bombs, in the sense like Jim was saying, in um, if they if they drop anything significant, then people will just buy them all up. Everything would be sorted out, and then mod and then Wizards will look genius for what they've done. Because obviously they've had some negative press about Watsi and Magic Online recently. So I think they need a huge, huge, huge sale of Modern Master 2017. And I wouldn't be surprised if like this bigger cards, like obviously Goyf was huge, but again, they could there could be other things coming. And I think that uh, Jim and Travis hit the nail on the head here. You look at stuff like Surgical Extraction, which had gotten reprinted and was down to $3, and now it's up to 15 Like, there's definitely money to be made in sideboarding. And the other thing that Jim was completely correct about, like, no one realizes how much of Modern Masters 1 bulk is blueprintable, and the power level is obscene. If you took, like, all the cards that got reprinted into the ground, like Manamorphos, Street Wraith, um... Desperate Ritual, all that stuff buys for a ton of money four years later. So there's nothing even wrong with picking up Modern Masters 2 bulk at this point and just hoping, hey, you know, you can't really go wrong. And, like, I'm not talking true bulk. I'm just saying, like, um, if you get bulk and you see either Modern Masters supplementary product, just throw that in a shoebox, label it, and then just leave it there and, like, sell I the rest of your bulk. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of lot of really good cards in Modern Masters 1 in just, like, comments and on comments. Like, Rift Bolt and Lava Spike were in that set. 
and those are like three or four dollar like commons at retail. That's just not a reasonable amount of money to put into that kind of set. But Modern Masters Two definitely has some cards that could be expensive in the coming years too. And on the other hand, Travis is also right because you look at cards like Stone Hero Giant, which was a five dollar rare before it got reprinted, and that was true bulk for a while. Same with Inexorable Tide. And now you look at how high they've come, especially Stone Hewer Giant that dodged a reprint since Modern Masters 1. And now the supply is so small that that thing just keeps going up. I think it's past $6 now because casuals like equipments. Uh, the, one other thing I want to point out too, um, this got brought to my attention by uh, Mistress Photoshop on Twitter. He pointed out that, you know, based on how Wizards 4, look at how Wizards 4 casts. Um, Especially with tiny leaders, you've noticed in the last like two sets, every legendary creature has been less than three mana. So they clearly have tiny leaders in mind when they're building all these creatures. But tiny leaders was dead forever ago. So you, you get a sense of their timeline there. So if they're working 18 months in the past, uh, when modern, you know, as a relative to when Modern Masters 3 is going to come out, <clears throat> modern demand in general was much higher at that point in time than it is now. Uh, so we might see them way overshoot on the amount of supply they think they need. Um, and you thought there was a lot of Modern Masters 2 going around. I mean, look what happened to the Eternal Masters, right? Like they had a special second release. And what that was, they didn't sell enough of the first run. It wasn't as popular as they thought it would be. And then they basically re-released it and pretended it was something special. So we could actually get a market flooded with Modern Masters 3. Um, so I, I don't know if that's if that's going to come to pass because it seems like Wizards would rather short short sell this type of thing than, than dump it up, dump too much on us. But it, it, it is a possibility depending on how uh, how they chose to use their information at that time. I'm really I will guarantee you one thing though: Damnation will not be in the set because <laughs> that card is never going to get reprinted. Yeah, um, I'm really hoping that they don't do another reprint of Modern Masters. I think it was okay for Eternal Masters because I wanted those cards to come down a lot in price, and they definitely did. And you've seen that Jace has literally gone up $20 in the last month. He went from $40 TCG low to 60 But was but was the Eternal Masters second release, was that a second printing, or is that just what they had left over? That's what they had left over. But that's what I mean. So they could do one initial run of Modern Masters 3, only sell... I don't know, two-thirds of it, to sh only ship two-thirds of it to their distribu distributors and be like, we have a third of this left. What are we going to do with it? Because they realized they printed way more than the market actually wanted, which is what well, happened with Eternal Masters. The difference is, from what I understand, is Modern Masters 2 had everyone sold out instantly on the first run, and then they came out with the second round a month later, and everyone was okay with that. With Eternal Masters, and this is just from like my area, uh, they like limited how much we would get on the first run. We got a very limited amount of boxes on the second run and then after we started selling out of that they're like oh here's a third run and then prices crashed because everyone was trying to speculate on the sealed product to try and make some money but in modern masters 2 there were two two waves and that was it and they gave a ton on the first wave whereas in eternal masters there was a limited amount for the first and second wave and then as much as basically you could get on the third wave so there were three ways of product for us, at least for Eternal Masters from our distributors, and there were only two ways for Modern Masters 2. I'm saying if they go up to three waves, this is like not good for Modern, I would argue, because whatever they put in there will just not be worth much. Like yeah. Because it costs me $125 to open a box of Eternal Masters right now. The average EV is $183, $184. Like, that's basically free money after fees. So you have to reach that balance. But if they just print Modern Masters 3 into the ground, I don't want to pay $125 on that box anymore because what am I going to get? A $50 Tarmogoyf and a bunch of other $5 Mythics? So it's just not worth it at that point. 
I mean, that's what I said. Like, it depends on what kind of set it is. If it's a Modern Masters 1 type of set and not a Modern Masters 2 type of set, then you could just make up all the money back a rare. Like, they had doubling season in Modern Masters 1. That card went down to, like, 20 bucks still. And now it's up to, like, what, 60 or 70 now? It's just, you know, you, you can get the money back if you print good rares. The problem is Modern Masters 2 had Ant Queen and Comet Storm and... Just bullshit like that. It just didn't need to be in there. Modern Masters wanted Molten Disaster. Yeah, that's not the, the like that's that's fine. That's probably better than Ant Queen. I'm just real salty because I opened one box of Modern Masters and got a foil Ant Queen as my foil rare. I just like almost threw the whole box away. What if I told you Foil Noble Hark was next to Ant Queen on the sheet? I don't think I would care. <laughs> I didn't get the box next to this one. Oh. What if I told you you should know better than to crack boxes and expect to open foil mythics? Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I wasn't expecting a foil mythic, but I was just like, I was hoping for something that wasn't Ant Queen. And I drafted the box, so like, I didn't like bust it for no reason. I, I drafted it and it was fun, but I was just still salty that I opened Ant Queen. Yeah, you are every person on Reddit right now. You're a magic yeah. player that's upset that they opened magic product and got magic cards. Yeah, man. That's just how I am. I was like, Given the stink eye to the guy at the pre-release that opened the Steel Overseer and the Worm Coil engine. That guy's rude. Speaking of pre-release, for those of us that attended the pre-release, what were your thoughts on it? It was fine. Um, I haven't been into a card shop in a really long time, so I forgot how bad Magic players smelled. That was a little unsettling because I sat Girlfriend down. Girlfriend hasn't. What? Girlfriend hasn't. Uh... I don't play Magic anymore, so I don't count. Um, I don't know. This this set, like, it felt like your cards just ran people over pretty quickly. Like, if you curved out and everything was fine, then you just ran over your opponent that stumbled at all. And I, I don't know if I enjoyed that kind of a sealed format very much. Um, but it's possible that my pool was just bad and my opponent's pools were just a lot better than mine. That's just the thing that happens in sealed. There seems like a lot of removal to me. In white, you had Cotton in the Brights. In black, you had the Destroy Target Creature or Vehicle. Um, you had the each opponent sacrifices an artifact and non-artifact creature. Yeah, instead. I played black white and I didn't have any of those cards, so that might have been part of my problem. Uh, I had a foil of Johnny in my pool, and I just played five-color Cultivator's Caravan, and it was awesome. And then I lost in the finals because I, w I got him to one life and drew land six turns in a row. It was pretty salty. Um... But yeah, I thought the pre-release was a lot of fun. Um, we definitely got iced out of our midnight pre-release, and attendance sucked until Sunday when it was like finally a normal degree and normal temperature outside. But yeah, I think people had a good time. Um, from what I saw on Facebook, though, Dan Bach, who owns uh, Power 9 and Netherworld Games, put out a poll asking his like thousand Magic shop owner friends what the turnout was, and everyone said it was down. So... It'll be interesting because we saw how down it was. Battle for Zendikar, Oath of the Gatewatch, and then Kaladesh had a giant leap, and now it's down again. This might just be a result of all the standard bannings, though, because there were not a lot of happy standard players after these bannings. There, there are a lot of factors that could play into that, too. I mean, if weather's crummy in a few places, that can hit an area pretty hard. Yeah, as I say, the weather in Orlando is pretty reasonable, and all of the, the stores sold out of re-release kits completely. Like, nobody had any product. Everyone ran out of price support packs. So, 
I don't know. It would, I, I depends on where you're from, I guess. And and you know, in your case specifically, like the weather sucking is definitely part of the problem. Um, but does it bother anyone else? Like the pre-release kits just get keep getting like shittier and shittier, like add-ons. We got a sticker instead of a copter this time, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I know this. Like we went from a sweet double-faced zombie token, foil zombie token, to a paper thopter to a sticker. Like, are they just gonna like? You know what I really like? I really like, a, and I'm sorry. For I'm sorry for those that aren't listening live and can't see this. I really like getting all these dice as like throw-ins because a lot of people don't care about them and like people pay quarters on spin downs. So like you literally just throw them in a tub and then whenever you go to a Grand Prix, you bring them and you ask for a quarter on each. So yeah. Like if you see a bunch of random chaff like left on a table after a pre-release and clearly no one left it there on accident, just like take the dice and the chaff and then just go sell it to GP and pay for a, a meal or something. But I think the spin downs are a little better now. I don't know. My girlfriend has them in like a vase on my dining room table. Like those stupid things where they have the colored pebbles in the vase just says colored dye instead. Yeah, they're just all pre-release dice from like the last two and a half years. I suppose that's one way to merge like adult decorating sensibilities with your obsessive, not you specifically, and obsessive need to tell people that you're a nerd as if somehow they wouldn't know. I mean, she's also a little bit of a hoarder, and I tried to get rid of them. I tried to throw them out, and she didn't want that to happen either. So this is a comfortable medium between me stepping on them and me throwing them out. Well, to be fair, I wouldn't want to throw them out either, even though I wouldn't know what to do with them otherwise. Um, last week, we talked about cards that could go up because of all the standard bannings. One that I don't think any of us called is Nisa, the counter one, because that would just die to Smuggler's Copter too easily. But with the new Uncommon that works with plus one, plus one counters, like, there's money to be made. That card went up a ton, and a lot of people were selling the dual deck Nexus, or Nisa versus Omnexus for $12 like on their websites and as a result like people bought out like 60 of these decks and they listed them on tcg so you see people that have like 40 copies of dual deck nisa and they only have like 50 sales on tcg so if you're listening to this cast and your shop has nisas at five dollars like we did this morning you should probably buy them out and not tell me so that i can sell all my nieces at five dollars and then be salty so what is the price on those now they're ten dollars tcg low they're about 12 mid this is then oh, wow, geez, for the three mana one. All right. Yeah, and this is both copies. This is the Oath of the Gatewatch and the Dual Deck. There's like no price just there because there's like no copies on the market right now because everyone's brewing with it. So oh. if that breaks out at Star City, it could, I don't like. There's obviously a cap because of the Dual Deck, but there's good money to be made. All right, so but it's still unsubstantiated virtually. We don't actually know yet. So is Sahili. Well, and that sure. card keeps going up. I would argue those are slightly different. I mean, there, we had a Nissa Gideon deck before. It's not terribly, like, uncommon to see. Like, it wouldn't be surprising to see that deck kind of reemerge as a thing again. But I don't think Nissa was even that expensive the first time. And we got a ton of dual deck printings and the um, the San Diego Comic-Con Planeswalker thing. So, like, there's a million Nissas out there. I don't think that this is going to be a long-lived price I spike. They, I think they announced... The dual deck would have a Nissa. It was Nissa versus Obnixilus, without without telling us which one it was, um, just before. And 
before the price on NISA got out of control. So basically it was sort of, it was like, it was a light cap because like people are like, well, this is a really good card and green white tokens is really good and standard. But we also know that it's come that there's a NISA dual that coming and it's almost definitely this one. So like we can't actually spend that much on it. I suspect, but I'm not positive. Jeff, when you're at Wizards Tower, do you handle more of their day-to-day operations or do you work with their shipping department? No, I'm strictly like contractual now based okay. off GPs. I'm no longer working like day-to-day with them. Okay. And with regards to like the NISA, I'm, I'm surprised because like obviously copper is good, but like the new addition of HUD, uh, HUD of Kieran, like same concept, like you'll die like the turn after it comes into play. So I'm surprised that like there's such a spike or need or desire for NISAs now. So obviously, Heart of Kieran seems more unofficial and much more aggressive than Copter was. Like, sure, the draw one, discard one is great, but I'd much rather have like a bigger body. But that's just my two cents from a competitive standpoint. I mean, these cards could theoretically go in the same deck, and since the Heart of Kieran is trade, you're just kind of in the same boat. Yeah, that's like, actually a good point. Like you could play Heart of Kieran, Nissa, and then Gideon, and then your your opponent just uh, just like picks up their cards and goes home. That could happen. Yeah, uh, I bought like a ton of like Nissas during GP Louisville, but like nobody wanted to ship Gideons. No one at all wanted to ship Gideons, and we were paying like twenty US for Gideons. No one wanted to move. Yep, that's because I mean that card. I I'm paying like twenty three right now locally just to get them in, and like I. Bought eight at FNM and they were gone before that round was over. Like it, it's obscene. And we only had sixteen people playing standard, but they're like, "You have Gideon's? I want to brew with him." Blah 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 blah. Um, I don't know. We have a really small economy when it comes to the shop in Colombia uh, compared to the other places, so it's real interesting to see how cards move. Um, we've talked about standard. We've talked about modern. I know you guys might not necessarily like it, but Black Red Reanimator which is the cheapest deck in Legacy. Uh, every card has spiked in that deck. That deck is the real deal. It was one of the most budget decks out there. And now Chancellor of the Annex, which everyone bought and called back on Star City sale, is like $15, and it got bought out. And I didn't buy it out this time, which is weird. And I didn't buy out on Mask either. And like both of those cards are just free money. So I don't know if Travis had any sitting back there. <laughs> Was there somewhere you were going with that? <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to clarify that I had locals that listen to this podcast be like, did you buy him out? And I want to say in the podcast, I did not. So it wasn't me. Um, no. Uh, no, I sold all of my Chancellor of the Annexes at like five. <clears throat> yeah, I had also, one I sold recently. Also, I still don't think that this matters. Like, you just had the one of two Legacy GPs. Yes, prices went haywire. Whatever. That's it. It's over. It's not going to move again. Like, no one's going to play Legacy again for six months. And is there even another Legacy GP in America this year? Vegas, baby. So there you go. In June, there might be renewed interest. I would like to point out that Legacy is alive and well in our area, and we're hosting a Winamox for Legacy, and I expect at least 60 people to show, sure. which is pretty good for Missouri. But people in, in America the, are playing Legacy. In the sad, sad east coast of America... In a cold, lonely city in New York, there's no legacy to be played, and those people sh- those people shudder and cry as they sling siege rhinos against each other. So Actually, I feel bad for Buffalo. We have uh, Jupiter Games used to be a huge outpost for legacy, and that's a couple hours from here. 
uh, a little closer to the city, but still a ways outside. I don't know if they still do though. That was that was a little while ago. But they were a bastion of legacy in America. Yeah, man, legacy is such a fun format. Like, I highly recommend if an LGS near you hosts legacy proxy tournaments, or if you can ask someone to borrow a deck and you have collateral, it's it's a great format. I really wish the reserve list was gone so that people could play it more. Sadly, that's not an option right now. Um, so yeah, legacy is great. Do you guys want to move into pick of the week, or do you want to talk about anything else first? Well, if I have a pick of the week, so you should probably come up with something else. You okay. should also sing. You remember we asked, the the viewership asked for more singing. Uh, no thanks. Uh, speaking of EDH, we've covered Atraxa on the last three to four casts for people that keep asking us questions about that. But of course, when we had Jason Alt on, he called that cards from Bray would start spiking, and we've seen Scourglass, we've seen Master Transmuter, and we've seen other cards start to go up. Um, there's a couple other cards that I like that I think are very good in that deck, or at least like playable in that deck. And one of them I've been seeing a lot locally in Brea decks is Master of Ethereum. Now this is a card that's mainly played in modern, but for some reason people like churning out cards, um, like churning out tokens with this, like the Thopter Sword sort of thing. And they like just buffing their artifacts and making a big guy just because my shop is mainly casual. A more competitive card that a lot of people know that has started going up, Micus and Flattis, went from $25 to $30, based purely off of only being played in EDH and artifact decks. Um, Dark Steel Forge has also continued trending up because it makes all of your artifacts indestructible, which basically makes it so that the Ashnod's Altar combo is even harder to disrupt uh, when you're going for infinite mana. So just keep an eye out for random artifact stuff. Um, I know Grand Architect was one that a lot of people called uh, when that got, uh, I think it, it was either reprinted or it was on sale on Star City. And a lot of people were like, you need to pick this up now. Same with Chief Engineer. So, you know, anything sort of funky. Retract's gone up a bunch. Reshape's gone up to $6. So just keep your eyes out when you're looking through bulk in your yeah, shop was, or buying I was going to mention retract. You know, I, I wrote about that a while ago. I've talked about it, whatever. It's not a big deal. But um, I saw somebody today mention Pierstal Paladin. So just for the heck of it, I went and checked retract. And there's nine near mint copies of retract between TCG, Star City, Channel Fireball, and ABU. <laughs> so people are really on that Pierstal Paladin deck. Uh, and it's also good in, in, well, I guess it's kind of good in Braid, depending on what you're doing. Um, yeah. So there you go. I have a bunch of them. So I don't, you know, just for full disclosure. All right. Well, let's move into pick of the week. Jeff is someone who is constantly tweeting about MTG finance and what you see going up. Are there, is there any cards that you have your eyes on right now as we trans translate into the new standard format and perhaps modern going up in price? Yeah. Again, like I, I feel as though the, um, Etherworks Marvel deck would still be relevant at the Pro Tour. And that being said, I'm very fond of the Gaunti's Aetherheart. Just anything with like a time rock ability. Because it seems like Marvel looks always died or just didn't have any um, juice left after trying in the front Ulamaga, just trying to go off in one turn. I feel as though like having four time rocks in your deck and potentially getting like an additional turn just for free for doing nothing can uh, benefit like the, the deck in general. It could either be sideboard, obviously, versus specific decks. It could be main deck, and you could go off twice potentially. Um, and as a mythic and at a, at a low, like at a low um, 
like 499 on SCG at the moment. Obviously, TCG is probably three-ish. I feel as though that has potential if it goes off in the Pro Tour. Um, then again, it'll go crazy just because it seems like it can be useful in EDH and who knows what other formats. But that's about it for now until I see more. Um, maybe Modern Masters will, will pique my interest. But standard-wise, there's only that one card at the moment that I'm really looking at. Everything else is overpriced. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I think I'm definitely going to keep an eye on Planner Bridge. That card is very similar to Planner Portal, which is like $4. So there's definitely a, a place for that demand. But it should go down to like both mythic status. So it should be like two, maybe dollar fifty, maybe even a dollar before I want to start buying them. But it's just something to keep in mind, just like watch out for. Um, you know, those are the kind of cards that you don't want to like just sell to your LGS for like fifty cents or whatever, because they're worth more than that. Like I think cool stuff is paying three dollars for them right now, and they're only like three fifty on TCG. I um. <clears throat> It's hard to buy anything for standard right now with the Pro Tour two weeks away and no real results yet. But I do think Aether, Aether Sphere Harvester is quite good. The prices are still a little high for me. I picked up four sets at like a dollar seventy-five a copy or so. Um, I wouldn't spend three plus dollars on them, but I think if they get down the two, a little under two, that's a card to keep an eye on. Uh, it immediately jumped out at me. Um, it's a very powerful vehicle. Um, but I was a little concerned at first that Smuggler's Copter might box it out, but with Smuggler's Copter's gone, it seems like uh, another really good option um, in that slot. So I, I would keep my eyes on that one if the price gets low enough. I've been thinking about a couple, and it's real hard to narrow it down. Um, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? I think my pick of the week is going to be, once I find this stack of them, so yes, I do own copies of this card. I am a big fan of the Painlands right now. They're down to pretty much record lows at this point. Um, most shops are paying what? Record within the last two calendar years. Yeah. Record lows on those things is like four cents. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I'm a big fan of those because they sell pretty much instantly when we get them in. And I just actually got some from a shop today uh, to restock tomorrow. But um, these cards like sell really well at a buck to two bucks. They're great throw-ins if you see them in someone's binder to even out a trade. I don't think anyone will feel bad trading away a Yavamaya Coast. They're seeing play in, at least some of them are seeing play in modern. And they go in pretty much all the EDH decks. So it's sort of like a more conservative, obvious pick. But... I don't see these really getting any cheaper. I know Frontier is absorbing some of that supply, so it doesn't hurt to pick these up in trade. It's like a $1 to $2 uh, evening out of a trade. For example, a lot of people used to do like City of Brass as a throw-in because it got reprinted three times in two years, and now that card's like over $4. Now, obviously, because of four-color commander, we can't predict everything, but I, these could see modest gains of like another dollar, and at that point, it's great to just buy us them for what you traded them at. So that's just something I would keep in mind. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the cast, and I guess, where can people find you guys? You can find me on Twitter, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-S-Z-E-O-Z-K-I. <laughs> for, for the Americans that may be listening to the cast, Z is the letter Z. For the Americans uh, that may be listening to the cast, Jim's audio is garbage as usual. Beep, boop. Just like his face. 
He's just jealous. That's what it sounds like to me. Can you try to say something without yeah. turning into a robot? Internet in Canada is quite good. Did he get disconnected? No, he's still here. He just muted himself. Travis, where uh, can people find you? I'm not the only one who spells his Twitter handle. Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. On Twitter, I write every Monday on MTG Price. Uh, I'm here. I do the webcast, the podcast, MTG Fast Finance. And if you like playing Magic, check out Scry.land to find events in your area. Yeah, normally I hate shilling for websites, and that website is super useful. You can just sort of scroll through, like, America and, like, all the countries. I know Travis was trying to get Willie Adel's attention earlier today. Like, it's really easy. You just click and drag, and then you click on the events in your area. You don't have to, like, type in anything. So it's okay. real simple. Do and we work in Canada? Yeah, it works in Canada. It's worldwide, and we are working on implementing a table view, so it'll be a little easier to parse um, in a different fashion, too. So we're working on it daily. All right. Am I a robot still? Try to get it in. Am I a robot? Just go for it. All right. My name is James. Like, find me on Twitter at phrost underscore. You can find me on Modern Nexus and Gathering Magic. And my name is Zemet. You can find me on Twitter at Zemet Sells Magic. You can find me in the great state of Missouri. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening to the Cartel Aristocrats cast number 38, guys. And as always, have a good one.